saving money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Bunyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on a special edition. I guess it's a Tuesday edition of the Yard. How about that? And many of you requested this. <laughs> Several people reached out and said, hey, Steve, I'm not ready to go to bed. You know what? I'm not either. I'm not either. I, I just wanted to keep going. You know, and there's so much to, man, that I, I just, there's so much I want to say, and hopefully I can get everything out that I want to say, just because, uh, man, it's been quite the journey this year. I mean, it really has. It's so hard to get to Omaha. I mean, it, it is. I'm not going to take any shots at anybody else, but it's so difficult to get to Omaha. And we're going for the third time in a row. Yeah, you know, I had a lot of confidence, believe it or not, in the game. And, you know, some, depending on who talked to me last, you know, sometimes I talk to somebody and I, I'd be a little worried about the game. And, and, and really, it's the fear of losing. It's the fear of unfulfilled expectations. It's not a lack of belief in our team. But you begin to think to yourself, you know, what if we go out there and we don't play well again? What if they have another, you know, left-handed junk baller that really ties us up in knots? And, you know, what if we don't pitch it well? And what if the season ends? What if Tanner Allen and Rowdy Jordan walk off that field for the last time, you know, as losers? I, I just couldn't live with it. You know, and I said last night, I, you know, there's a few baseball parents that I'm really close to and – um you always go talk to them after ball games, and it's not to pump them for information. A lot of times, it's you know just providing some support. You know, it's tough being a college baseball parent, and of course, you know my son played college baseball, but not at this level. And so it's like you know, the game is tough enough as it is, and then when you add on all the other things that go with it, you know, sometimes a guy makes a bad grade on a test, his girlfriend breaks up with him, or you know, people are riding him on social media, and so. It's just a difficult deal because you you work so hard and you invest so much as a baseball parent in your kid's success, and you want them to always be a fan favorite, and that's just not how life works. It should work that way I mean, because they are our guys. And there's a few things that I want to share with you guys a little bit later in the show, some things that maybe you don't know that you need to know. It's important. There are some things that I have kind of kept from you I'm not going to get into names or anything, but I'm just going to kind of explain some things to you about your baseball team, some things that happened this year that you're unaware of. And I know many of you are going to be thinking, you know what, now I kind of I feel a little guilty for sending that tweet now or making that Facebook post. And, and I, I take it so personally because, you know, these baseball parents become like part of our families. They really do. They are part of our family. I mean, it's like, I mean, that's the same reason that John and Stacey Mangum still come to games. It's because they're part of our family. 
You know, John didn't go to school here. Stacy didn't go to school here. Jake went to school here. Jake's not playing ball here anymore, but the Mangums continue to show up when there's a big weekend. There they are. Saw John here just a couple ball games ago. There's John all decked out in his state stuff again. And so there is a fraternity there with our baseball parents. And, uh, you know, you go on the road a lot and you get to see these folks. And, um, you know, I think a lot of times they're just happy to see a familiar face. And I had so many of them come up tonight with tears in their eyes. And you begin to realize that it's so much more than just a game. And it feels so good to win for all of us. And it's because we invest so much of ourselves in this. It becomes our our identity in many respects. You know, it's a living for me. You know, Mississippi State's playing well. You know what? The website does really well. You know, we sell more books. More people listen to the podcast. You know, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of financially invested in all this. But at the same time, too, there's a bigger picture here. I've been a Mississippi State fan my whole life. You know, I sat there as a kid, cried my eyes out when uh, Miami beat us back in 85, knowing that Will Clark and Rafael Palmeiro would never wear the uniform again. And when you guys, uh, you, know, you know, back in 2013, all of a sudden, you know, we get hot late and we're playing for a national championship. You know, that summer my kid Ani was playing for the Mississippi Stars and we worked out a great deal with his coach because they had the, another old Miss kid that played second base. So we would play the game opposite Mississippi State so we could get our game in and then go watch the Bulldogs play. It's one of the greatest summers of my life. You go back home and you think, you know what, we're, we're fixing to win an NFL championship. We win our bracket and you think, hey, you know, we're going to get UCLA. And I remember speaking to Wes Ray and thinking, you know what, that's a, that's a great matchup for us. We're excited about playing UCLA and it didn't work out for us. And then you begin to ask yourself, man, is it ever going to happen for us? You know, and that 2013 team was a great team. We didn't have a great season. We had a great result at the end. But it wasn't a great team. We've had better teams that didn't get a chance to play for a national championship. But we all go through it together. There is this collective depression, you know, when baseball season is over and we begin to think, man, you know, when's our year going to be here? And it's not just a financial aspect of it. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of money invested, for, especially some of you who come from a long way. And so there's gas and there's time off from work and there's hotels and there's meals. And, and listen, I know you give that money gleefully. I know you do because of your love for Mississippi State and your love for these kids and his love for their families. I, I, I get it. And my hat is off to you guys. I just can't, I can't even begin to put into words how much it means. You know, I remember interviewing John Cohen earlier this year. And John said, you know, Steve, I want it more for our fans than I even do for our players because of all they, they put into this. I mean, you go out there in the left field lounge, I mean, you know, for me, I go out there, man, that's, you know, it's never a 10, 15-minute deal because of you. You know, because we're all part of the same family. And it's because we invest so much of our emotional and our mental energy in the Mississippi State baseball because we know that we are a national power. And we want that national championship so bad. I'm sure many of us would even trade some years off our lives to get that national title. And people say, well, Steve, that's so hyperbole. You don't know the Bulldog fans that I know then. But I know how much we're invested in this. And, yeah, listen, all day today I had people calling and, you know, wanting reassurance and that sort of stuff. And I said, you know, guys, here's what I'll tell you. We're the better team. And we're playing at home. 
And so, you know, everyone wants to argue, you know, that, and that's one thing I'll say, too, that I, that I wish we could breed out of the fan base. I really do. There are some people that rest their personal insecurities on Mississippi State. You know, it's like so because we're so invested in that, you know, it's like we, I guess we don't want to be made fun of by our old Miss friends, and I don't have any of those. I got some old Miss acquaintances. But I think that's what happens. We get so caught up in it, we're just like, oh, well, I didn't expect us to win. And you may not have expected us to win, but you hope we would win. And maybe that's a self-defense mechanism. You know, maybe we've been disappointed so many times, it's just easier to kind of distance ourselves a little bit and act like we don't care, but we do care. We care more than people can possibly understand. And so we get in this ball game tonight, and I'll be honest with you, I was, I was a little bit nervous the whole way, all throughout the day. I'm thinking, you know, it's one of those things where the fear of losing exceeds the joy of winning. It's like, you know, how could we get to this point and have a chance to get to Omaha? I mean, you know, we've talked about it on this show all year long. This is an Omaha team. And now it's no longer a team that has Omaha potential. It's a team that's punched its ticket to go to Omaha. And so it's kind of a surreal feeling. But, man, it's been such a grind this year. I want to go through a couple of things with you real quick here before we get into recapping the ball game. And, and there are things that we forget sometimes, you know, as we begin to work through all this, and it's just insane. You know, I mean, I, I, I talked to Rowdy in the postgame, and you know, I talked to Greg James, Cam James' dad, talked to Cam James, and it's just, you know, man, you just want to get emotional. I just want it so bad for these kids, man. I do, and I hate to even call them kids. I just want them so bad for these players. Because I know what they've been through this year. And there's a lot of it you don't know about. I'm going to share some of it with you today. But it's incredible to think about, you know, you enter the year, you know, people forget. I mean, Landon Jordan quit the team. You know, Landon was our third baseman, was actually playing pretty well over there. You know, in order to keep Cam James you know, batting lineup, we had to move him over there. And the next thing you know, Lane Forsyth's playing before he's ready. But defensively down the stretch, he's been outstanding. Had a couple of big hits for us here uh, over the weekend. But, you know, when I begin to look at this thing and I begin to think, you know, man, nothing has come easy for us this year. Nothing. Nothing has come easy for us this year. There's some years you look at and say, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, we've just been head and shoulders better than this group of teams. And, you know, we just went out there and dominated them. But it just, that hadn't been the case. You know, we worried all fall about where the power was going to come from. We, we didn't have Westberg and Voskew, so we knew that's, you know, 20, 25 home runs right there that's gone. Got to be replaced by somebody else. We got it done. You know, we knew we had some very young and talented pitchers, but none of those guys are pitching the SEC. I remember talking about that on this show. I, I told people, listen, I liked our pitching staff better than Ole Miss, and people thought I was crazy. I don't feel so crazy now. I didn't feel crazy then. You know, because here's the thing. Doug McKay's the only guy at Ole Miss that had any SEC experience of note. It's like, oh, yeah. I mean, so some people think just because they know kids' names, they ought to be good. You know, we knew what we thought we had in Christian McLeod. He's been kind of up and down. You know, well, Bednar's been really solid for us. Who knew that Houston Harding would emerge and become our, you know, our most reliable reliever and uh, spot starter? I mean, you know, I, I remember getting the fall baseball reports and, there were some people that didn't know if he'd make the team. And there he is pitching for us in the biggest game of the year. You know, so there, there's a journey here. 
Let's take a quick look back at the schedule. I want to take you back through this, and then we're going to break down the game. I don't know how long we'll go today. We'll go, I guess, until I get tired of talking. But, um, you know, we start the season out there at the State Farm College Baseball Showdown. And remember, there was some, there was some real discussion behind the scenes that we weren't even going to make the trip because of the, of the weather out there. You know, and it wasn't just the weather. You know, it's just kind of the optics of the whole thing. You had people out there in the Dallas-Fort Worth area without water and without heat, and we're going to go play a baseball game. You know, I don't know if you know this, but we, you know, we kind of had a backup plan to play a three-game set at Duty Noble Field against Jacksonville State. That was your plan B there. But we end up driving the team to Birmingham and getting on a plane and flying with Ole Miss to Arlington. How weird is that? But that's what we had to do. And we go out there and we win two out of three games. We should have won them all. But we go in two out of three. We open a season with Texas, who was our first opponent we'll see in, uh, in Omaha. But we left that weekend feeling pretty good about ourselves. And I, I, I said then, too, I know some Ole Miss people thought I was trolling them. Ole Miss had a great weekend. But some, some Ole Miss guy messaged me or tweeted at me and said, hey, who was the most impressive team in Arlington? I said, Arkansas. I still believe that. I still can't believe they're not going to Omaha. But you know what? Good for us, right? Good for us. We end up postponing the Jack, one of the Jackson State games. We win one, and then we have the Tulane game, and we get absolutely shoved by Olthoff in that first game on Friday night against Tulane. We had to battle back. <laughs> you remember? We walk it off on Sunday to win the series, and, and there was a lot of doubt about our team. People were like, you know what? Maybe we're not very good this year. And some say, you know, Tulane's going to be a tournament team. They probably should have been. They, they kind of felt, you know, fell apart late. But listen, let's be honest. Tulane's not good enough to beat Mississippi State two out of three and do no field. They're not. But there were a lot of people, even though we were trying to find our own identity, they just said, you know what, this team's not going to be very good. We're struggling to beat middle-of-the-pack AAC teams. What are we going to do in the SEC? That same belief kind of carried over the next weekend. And you know, we take down Southern Miss in the midweek, and then we, we went on Friday night, and we get beat on Saturday by Kent State. And people are like, oh, man, Steve, what are we doing? We're splitting these series with these non-conference teams. And we go out and throw a no-hitter on, uh, on Sunday. Combined no-hitter. Then we had a little stretch there where we uh, put together a nice little string of shutouts. And we get through Eastern Michigan. We sweep that one. We take down Sanford, a team that we ultimately saw back in the NCAA Regional. Winners of the SOCON. When we go down to Baton Rouge, I remember saying on this show that we were better than them. But there have been a lot of times that we've taken a really good team to Baton Rouge and come home with an embarrassing weekend. Didn't happen. It's also the last weekend Eric Sarantola was the starter for us. And that was a big thing early on. You know, is we had, you know, Christian, Bednar, and Sarantola. And we you know, felt like, you know what, we've got a rotation as good as anybody in the country. And uh, Sarantola gets a Sunday start. Fristo actually takes a loss in relief. But, you know, through two games, we had gone down there and held them down, outscored them 9-1. to one. We kind of gifted them some runs. Of course, the, uh, you know, the, the temperature got up and the winds died down. They hit a couple bombs. And then Arkansas came in here. And there were a lot of people that were bandwagon Bulldog fans. As you know what, I'm, I'm just going to get rid of football. I remember something Tanner Allen said after that ball game on Sunday. And he and listen, T.A. is a guy is very emotional, and there are times he does kind of wear his, you know, his feelings on his sleeves. I mean, you know, he's, he's a guy that's very, very dialed in. 
But, man, he loves this baseball program. He loves all of you. Man, he was embarrassed. You know, we were so excited to play Arkansas. And, and again, we had not really found our identity yet. We're still figuring so many things out. And they come in here and they sweep us. And he said something that stuck with me. Because you know what, man, 2018, we swept those guys. You look up at the end of the year, they're playing for a national championship. And you know what? Arkansas sweeps us this year, and they're not even going to play in Omaha. It's a long season, and a lot happens over the course of that season. And a lot of people wondered, you know, we're already out of the SEC race two weekends in. It wasn't true. We go right back and we sweep Kentucky, kind of get back in the mix there a little bit, even up the record, and then we uh, go to Auburn and we sweep them. Pretty impressive weekend down there for us. Ole Miss comes in here for Super Bulldog weekend. The Casey shoves on Saturday, but the Bulldogs win the rest of them. Of course, T.A. with the big knock on Sunday. State wins 7-5. If you remember that play, too, when uh, T.A. hits the triple into the right center field gap, I felt there was probably a microcosm to really show the differences between the two programs. There's T.A. barreling in to third base. And then there's Justin Bench, not related to Johnny Bench, basically kind of running for cover, dropping the baseball and everything else. There is a toughness with Mississippi State that Ole Miss simply doesn't possess. And that's what T.A. showed on that play. We out-toughed them. It's one of those things I go back to all the time. There's a lot of people that constantly have somebody in their ear telling them how great they are. And there are other people out there that say, hey, I want you pretty good, but you can be better at this. You be better at that. Give me the latter rather than the former. The difference, the biggest difference between Mississippi State and Ole Miss is we always feel like we have something to prove. They feel like they've already made it. And now we're going to Omaha for the 12th time. And they're going to be watching us again. So we get through the Ole Miss weekend. I think that was a big you know, sigh of relief for many of us. So, you know, hey, man, we got through that weekend. Ole Miss is legit. And they listened. They were really good. They really were. We go to Vanderbilt thinking, okay, we got to go get one. We do, but we kind of give away that Sunday game, right? And that's the thing, too. You, know, you go through a ball game and you don't score the last seven or eight innings, you generally lose. That's what happened for us. We had some chance to get some big hits early, but I think everybody, we left there thinking we can play with these guys. So we're growing up a little bit. We sweep A&M which really puts us in contention for the SEC. When we're right back in the mix, knowing if we get in the month of May, we got a chance to make a run at this thing. We go to South Carolina, and we've won the first two games in really in dominant fashion. And then we get into Sunday, and we have a 3-2 lead in the ninth, and we blow it. And we lose that ball game in extra innings. And, again, that's a Sunday game that we give away there. Really kind of turned things around for South Carolina, too. And then we're thinking, hey, I mean, we got this thing figured out. We just need to go, uh, you know, sweep these last couple of series, maybe go four and two, which we do go four and two. <laughs> Not the way we wanted, though. We lose two out of three to Missouri, got absolutely embarrassed on Sunday, 16 to eight. It was uh, Houston Harding's first SEC start, and I hated it for him because he is such a competitor. You know, he, he could have pitched better than that. We could have fielded better than that. We could have hit better than that. And the bottom line is it was just one of those complete breakdowns. You have those sometimes in baseball. We go to Alabama thinking, you know what? If we go win that series, we're going to be a top eight national seed. If we sweep it, it kind of removes all doubt. 
But there was still a lot of trepidation. A lot of people kept trying to tell us so we hadn't proven enough and that Missouri nonsense kind of lingered along for a while as a talking point. Well, Mississippi State's really good, but they lost to Missouri. And it's incredible. Other teams have bad weekends too, but it's almost like people were rooting against us. We go take care of Alabama, and then we're thinking, okay, we go to listen, we're probably a top eight national seed, but if we go win a game in Hoover, it just won, it removes all doubt. Truth of the matter is, we already had it done. When you would go back and look at the resumes, there's so many people to get caught up and become prisoners of the moment. I broke it down on this show. I mean, look at RPI, strength of schedule, you know, at conference finish. I mean, there was no comparison. We were absolutely going to be a top eight national seed. But we go to Hoover and we get absolutely destroyed. And nobody will ever con- confirm this, but I will never believe we went over there to play. You can say, well, you know, yeah, we're competitive. No, no. There was a bigger picture involved here. Nobody will ever admit it. I'm not saying we threw the games, but I don't think we really cared one way or another. But we were kind of the talk of college baseball. Man, Mississippi State looks so vulnerable. You know, there's the Missouri game, and then there's this. Okay, well, they can't give them a top eight national seed because of this. Well, they do. And everybody complained. Everybody complained. Oh, State got this easy bracket. We get the winners of the SOCON tournament. We get the winners of the Atlantic 10. We get the regular season champion out of the Big South and had a great weekend of baseball and made some new friends, right, with Campbell? We take down Sanford 8-4. We beat VCU to death 16-4. And you remember after they had destroyed Campbell that Friday night, they were, you know, kind of the enemies of Mississippi State. Said, oh, man, the VCU is going to win that thing. And then VCU got a lesson of what it means to be big-time baseball. State absolutely destroys VCU. And we have a nip-and-tuck game with Campbell. Really good baseball program. But I'm proud of this team. And I'm proud of our fans. Set a new NCAA record. We <laughs> You know, it's it's funny we talk about attendance. I mean, you know, the Mississippi State attendance book is the NCAA attendance book. What do we have, 18, 17 in the top 20 now, something ridiculous like that? Every well-attended Super Regional has taken place at Duty Noble Field. Set an NCAA record. I got the numbers right here, too. NCAA record for the three days. It's incredible, man. It really is. It's just you look at this stuff and you begin to – it just blows your mind. Guys, 40,140 people came to watch Super Regional Mississippi State. That goes back to that first point I was making about how much it means to all of us. It would be far easier to sit at home and watch it on TV. It would be. Be cheaper. Be more comfortable, right? But, you know, we live all year to get together and celebrate Mississippi State baseball. You know, there again, you know, the thing about sports is just it's such a great equalizer in many respects. I mean, the chances of all of us getting together and agreeing on politics or religion, relationships, and that stuff, pretty slim. But we can set all that aside for a while and for a few hours get out there and cheer for these players and cheer for dear old state. And those are the exciting things for me. That's what I think makes it so different. And you want to be a part of that. And there's so many of these young guys, man. I mean, I see them after ball games, like, you know, Reed Sparks. I mean, goodness, he's a Ryan Sparks kid. I know that those guys listen to the Boneyard. You know, I saw the picture tonight of Reed tearing up because we won. You know, Reed, don't ever lose that. Ever. 
don't ever let anybody tease you about that. Don't ever let anybody tell you that's wrong or you need to grow up or quit being, you know, a little kid. Don't ever lose that. Because I'll be, I'll be honest with you, I'm almost 49 years of age now for that ball game tonight, and I'm out there talking to some of our baseball parents. I, I shed a couple tears too. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to admit it. Because it means so much to us. It absolutely means so much. And we want it so bad, and then we get it. And it's like such a relief, and it's like such joy, because, you know, we've been there through it all. We've watched this team kind of grow up in front of our eyes. But, Reed, don't ever lose that. My new friend Hayes, see him every ball game after the ball game now. He's all excited, he, and he's, he's getting to go to Omaha, and he's old enough to kind of appreciate that. I, I promised him when we get there, I said, when we get to TD Ameritrade, you know, have your mom message me, and we're going to get together and take our picture together at Omaha. And I began to think about these young guys, and I began to think about what does it mean long term? You know, I remember being, you know, the, their age, a little bit older, and seeing Mississippi State, you know, go play in Omaha in 85. On, and we didn't get to go. We watched it on TV. But it was the biggest thing ever because it was our team our guys playing for a national championship. We're competing. We're among the best teams in the country. And you just want it so bad. But it's one of those things, it, it was so few and far between. And we get to Omaha, and it's like we lose all these guys. And you begin to think to yourself, what's, you know, what's going to happen next? I, I still think about that team. You know, it's you know, John Scott and Frank Davis and Gator Thiessen and Clark, Palmero, Van Cleve, Thigpen, Rorick McDonald. I mean, you know, you, you run your whole way through it. And you, I mean, these, these young men become older men. But in our minds, they're always those guys wearing them over us. And it matters to us. And I think about now, this next generation of young Bulldog fans, look at what they've been able to see. Look at how far our program has come. Look how much we have grown and matured. You know, they're getting to see the new Duty Noble Field. They're going to grow up and be accustomed to that. You know, the crown jewel of college baseball right here in their own backyard. They got to see Jake Mangum run everything out. Doesn't matter if it was a tapper back to the pitcher. He ran it out to first base wide open every single time. It's the Mangum effect. You see a guy go up there looking to go backside. It's a Mangum effect. They got to see Brent Rooker win a triple crown. And they've seen their Bulldogs now go to Omaha three straight times. You go back and think about this too. Supers in 13, Supers in 16, 17, 18, 19, and 2021. So the expectation is, you know, Mississippi State, we expect to go to Omaha. It's not, you know, the rarity that it once was. You know, when I was a kid and we went, it was like, oh, we finally make it. You know, now the expectation is that we, to go every year. And I asked Chris Lamonis about that in postgame. You know, when Chris signed up for this job, he understood, you know, Chris, it wasn't going to be let's make a regional deal. And pay, maybe perhaps at Indiana, maybe that's their goal. You know, but here, you know, the goal is not just to get to Omaha. Our goal is to win Omaha. Our goal is to win a national championship. As John Cohen said the day we hired him away from Kentucky, you know, we've been to Omaha. Just getting to Omaha is not enough anymore. And I don't know, maybe Chris Lamonis didn't fully appreciate that initially. 
And I think he's learned. You know, one of the very first false scrimmages, he goes out there, and there's you know, a thousand people up there to watch a false scrimmage. And he's like, is this normal? I mean, what? what? I mean, these people come watch? Yeah, yeah, people come watch, Chris. Because this is what we do. And I think he has understood that. It's like, this is what makes Mississippi State different. Because we're all so invested in this. The fact that people would leave their homes on a Sunday and come out there and watch a fall baseball scrimmage and a game that's not going to go in the paper, it's because they want to be familiar with the team. They could be at home watching NFL football, but they'd rather go out there and watch Mississippi State play a scrimmage game. They'd rather watch Mississippi State practice, you know, than watch the New Orleans Saints play. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply makes us different and so I, I say those things because I think it's important for us to understand you know we all have this shared goal and we're all so committed to each other because you know I don't just want it for me I want it for you guys too I want us to all be able to say you know what we were kings at a college baseball mountain and maybe it only happens once but I can't wait for it to happen it was one of those things many times all year long we all talked about it there's not a dominant team in college baseball and yes Arkansas was pretty much wire to wire during the SEC season as number one but we all agreed they were somewhat vulnerable they did they only swept one series all year and that was us and you knew at some point they'd run into some pitching I thought it would be at Omaha I didn't think it would be a bomb as we've talked about earlier this week but it did and so our big our arch nemesis, our recent, you know, burr in the saddle is out of the tournament. It's crazy to think about. And so now we're going to Omaha and you, and you look at this field and we're going to look at that a little bit later in the show. It's like, you know, who in there do you look at and say, hey, this team is a definite loss for us? There's really not anybody. There's not anybody. We can compete with everybody in the field. Is this the year? I don't know. But I'm awfully glad that we're there to find out. Let's thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show. I need to get by there and uh, try that full of bologna burger. Roy has kind of given me the scouting report on it, and he says it's uh, it's a lot of food for not a lot of money. You know, he's like, "Hey, I'm telling you, this is a this is this is a real real man's burger." And hey, I guess if you're lady with a big appetite, you can go ahead and try that bad boy on for size too. But he says this thing is for, for real. It's legit. I, I love that new grilled chicken club. I really do. It's a great portion, too. Find your own favorites. Have the spring rolls. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. That's a guarantee. Make you feel better about life, too. I love the little fondue stuff they have, too. Great portions, great food, great prices. And now three great locations to serve you right there on Lake Harbor Drive and Ridgewood. That's, that's the, new, the baby right there. That's a new one. Be a little patient with them, okay? We're only a couple weeks into this thing. But I understand things are going great. Got a lot of good reviews from some of our, our good Bulldogs down there in Madison County. He said, you know what, Steve? We're happy to have a Bulldog Burger Company of our own. And I'm happy for you, too. 
There's a flagship, of course, right here on University Drive in Start Vegas, and then Gloucester Street in Tupelo. That is a really cool place. So if you if you haven't been at that Bulldog Burger Company in, in Tupelo, you got to go check it out. Even if you're a Starkville guy or gal, when you're in Tupelo, you think, well, you know, I can eat Bulldog Burger whenever I want. Let, go check it out. I'm telling you, it, it'll be worth it. I'm sure you got a friend over there, too, that can meet you. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So let's run this ball game down. Let's relive it once again, right? It was a great game. It was a great game and some wild things happened. You know, we had some discussions on Twitter about who should start. I thought about starting Landon Sims. I don't make out the lineup card, but I'm thinking, you know what? We got to make sure we get our best guy out there. We managed it really well. You know, because Houston Harding went out there and shoved for us and did a good job. And uh, we're able to kind of bridge the gap there. Stone Simmons kind of got beat up a little bit. But, uh, you know, if he'd had a shutdown any, maybe you go one more. But um, let's just kind of get in here and break this thing down. You know, I was happy that it was Houston because I was thinking, you know what, we don't want to throw Sims too early and burn him because if, if Notre Dame makes a comeback late, you know, who can we depend on to kind of shut him down? That's a big moment. And it's not just about getting the outs. I mean, it's like the expectations. I mean, the reality of it is, is like, hey, hey, we get out of this inning, we're going to Omaha. Well, nobody on your pitching staff's ever been in that situation before. And who's the most mentally tough guy on the staff? I think we'd all agree it's probably Landon Sims, maybe Will Bednar, but Landon Sims is the guy, right? I mean, it's the guy we all trust. So we did a good job. We did. Houston comes out, does a good job. We get a ground out early, and then we give up a, a tank to go down one nothing. And I, there were a few groans in the crowd, but listen, everybody kind of hung in there with us. We give up the walk, and then we strike out Kabatis looking – and that was big. I mean, every time he came up, of course, he was kind of public enemy number one because of some of the comments he made. And it looked to me like Notre Dame had the same jerseys they owned yesterday. It's like they only brought two. You know, maybe that was a coaching thing. Let's just bring two uniforms because we're going to go down there and take care of business in two games and come back. <clears throat> yeah, hope you get ringworm. Uh, so, anyway, you get Cavadas looking, and we get putts uh, to ground out, and we force a guy at second. And I thought the crowd really responded well. Yeah, we gave up the one run. But coming off the field, I think our crowd's like, hey, you know what, we're good. Hey, that's fine. We'll settle in. We'll be good. Well, we absolutely did, and we got going pretty quick. You know, Rowdy uh, hits an absolute bullet to third, and, it, man, the dad gun playing surface got him again, right? No. It's not the playing surface. And I, I, to be honest with you, I get a little irritated with people saying that. It's the velo. When you're used to playing other teams, right, that maybe aren't as talented as Mississippi State, the speed of the game is a little bit slower. You know, and here's the thing, too, that I think gets lost in translation. Sometimes it's like we feel like we're playing a video game. And so, like, the AI is kind of scripted to work against us. Listen, Notre Dame is not a machine. Notre Dame is a team of individuals that are human beings. There is not a single player on that team that had been in a situation they were in the night. They had never been one win away from Omaha at any point. It's a new experience. And I've talked about on the show, the 27 outs needed the final 27 to get to Omaha are the most difficult outs you get all year. And nobody on the Notre Dame roster had ever experienced that. We had several guys at Mississippi State that at least been on the roster. And, of course, T.A. and Rowdy know what it takes to win a Super Regional. So, in that respect, you know, it's better. 
you know, we had we had the actual big game experience, and to me, I think that's a huge advantage. It's huge. There's an intensity level in these super regionals that the casual fan doesn't fully appreciate. And I think until you've been there as a player, you don't understand what it takes. Baseball's a long game, man. You got to get 27 outs, and and they're going to fight you every step of the way. And so Rowdy comes out there and hits that bullet to third, and the guy doesn't field it well. It wasn't a playing surface. It was the player, and it was the moment. The moment's a little bit too big. The game always finds you. You know, when you're not ready, the game finds you. It's like the ball is like seeing, all-knowing, and all-seeing. Hey, this guy's not ready. And what, what happens? Rowdy hits a, an absolute missile over there, and the guy can't make the play. T.A. then flies out, good at bat there, and then Cam James with an infield single, and it was a really nice play. I mean, it really was. That ball, like it was destined for left field. They make a, you know, they make a, a sliding stop there, a diving stop, excuse me, but there's no play to be had. And then Luke gets a single, and Luke has struggled a little bit with these lefties. I'm sure he's happy to see some right-handed pitching here in uh, next couple of weeks. But, um, you know, Luke comes through right there and takes the left-hander into right field. Drives in the tie and run. Logan Tanner then grounds out, and DeBrule grounds out, and uh, pretty efficient there. But uh, I'll share with you, too, it just looked like to me that Mercer had you know, kind of a hitch in his giddy-up. It didn't look right. His velo wasn't as advertised, and it looked like that uh, he was short-arming everything. It's like he had this funky delivery. And Link Jarrett said in postgame that he knew three pitches in that things weren't right with Mercer. I don't say that to praise me. I'm just saying that there was clearly he wasn't at his best. And, again, I think, you know, the moment is often too big for these guys. You know, the reason they threw Terrell last night is because he had been their second most reliable pitcher down the stretch. He had actually been the Sunday guy. They move him up because it's do or die. It's an elimination game. So they threw him, and he did a great job. Mercer was the guy that was going to pitch him to Omaha and proved to be incapable of doing so. So it's 1-1 one, one after 1. We get to the second. And I'll be honest with you, and it, it, it won't go down as a highlight, but this inning right here, this half inning for Houston Harding, I thought set the tone for the rest of the ball game. Because we have struggled against them. When, you know, once they get rolling, they're really good at playing for one. They get a guy on, they move him around, they push him in. We go out there and get a 1-2-3 inning. One, two, three inning, and really efficient with the pitches. We don't have a two-ball count the whole time. And Prasner killed us all weekend, but I thought Hootie did a great job against him today. So on a 1-1 count, we get a ground out. On an 0-2 count, we get uh, a ground out. And in an 0-2 count, we get a line out. So on schedule, one, two, three inning, we're back in the dugout. We're swinging again. And then we basically said, you know what, guys, we're going to Omaha, and you can't stop us. You can trot whoever you want to. You can get Rudy Ruger to come out here and be offsides, whatever you guys want to do. You can get your leprechauns out of Mobile, Alabama, or Birmingham, wherever they were, and come over here and try to get after us. We're fixing to win this ball game, And that's the thing that I was so impressed to see is there was just this resolve, this collective resolve from your baseball team that said, you know what, we were embarrassed last night, and that ain't happening today. The second part of that story is uh, it's the bottom third of the order. It's the bottom third of the order. I, I turned to Tyler Horka when those guys came up because in that first inning, we had six guys come to the plate, and all six guys put the ball in play. 
three of those six actually hit the baseball really hard. And so I said, you know what, we're seeing these guys pretty good. You got the Twin Towers coming up. Somebody's going to get on base, and then the top of the order will push them around, and we'll extend this lead. We'll be up 2-1. Well, I guess my expectations are a little meager. So Brad Cumbus, who had a great weekend for us, a great weekend. 0-2 pitch, he rips a single in right field. They walked Callum Clark, and he really battled there too. I mean, it wasn't like, okay, the, you know, it's a four-pitch walk. I mean, he had to kind of see some balls that were borderline pitches and got a good look at them, took them down. Now there's first and second. We're beginning to think, okay, Forsyth's got to try to get a bunt down here. We don't get the bunt down, but it works out even better for us because we end up getting a walk there. We work back from a one-two count, and we get the walk to load the bases. And so here we are, the bottom third of the order, all three of these guys get on, and now this base is loaded for the top of the order with nobody out. And so you felt like we're at least going to get a run or two here. We're going to do some damage. You know, maybe we get a couple sack flies, whatever. We can kind of push this thing along. We pushed it along all right. Uh, Rowdy then, it's a fielder's choice. The run scores. Uh, they, they forced four sides at second. They could not get Rowdy to, to turn to, to the double play. Rowdy gets down the line pretty well. So runners on the corner then come up, and T.A. flies out to center, and Kellum Clark scores 3-1. So we're thinking, you know what, hey, good. No matter what happens the rest of the inning, we've gotten a couple of runs home, and this rally generated uh, by the, the bottom third of the order. And that was a problem for us yesterday, right? So then uh, it, you know, it's amazing how life just kind of works for you here. Uh, Rowdy then takes second, and then Cam James, you know, singles in the left, chases him home, and it's a full count. And, it, and listen, and, and Cam's had some tough luck on full counts. He didn't wait around. Next thing you know, he's still second. I didn't think it was close. They walk uh, Hancock. We're moving the inning along here. And now we're just kind of operating with house money. We've already got three runs home in the inning. And then uh, Logan Tanner gets behind an account and hits a three-run bomb left center. It's 7-1 at this point. 7-1. And I think everybody figured out, you know what, this, uh, this pitcher in the ballgame, Raul, he was so nervous and uncomfortable out there. I mean, he kept stepping off the mound, walking around out there. The moment, too big for him. Simply too big for him. And it showed. He didn't want to pitch. I turned to Tyler Horka a couple, you know, just a couple pitches in. I said, he's finished. I need this guess kid's finished. He didn't want to pitch. He wants to get out of there. And I'm sure all of you saw the same things I was seeing. And it's just in his body language and his countenance. He wasn't ready to compete. And again, until you've been in that situation, you can't fully appreciate it. So then they then DeBrule rips a single on a full count. They go ahead and you know take Rao out and bring in Simon, who was throwing 97 in the first two pitches. Uh, the first one went to the screen. The second one should have gone. And then DeBrule still third. It's it's insane. Then they walk Cumbus on, on the same pitch, and it was kind of an opportunistic stolen base there. But uh, you know we had a chance to tack on a little bit more. Uh, they walk Clark to load the bases, and you're thinking, man. <laughs> you bring Forsyth up again, it's like, my goodness. Bottom third of the order not only started the rally, they extended the rally. So it's 7-1 after two innings, and it felt like the game should be over. I mean, it just it was such a huge inning. I think it took 40 minutes from the start of that half inning to it ended. I mean, it was an absolute bloodletting. And you just kind of felt like State was on cruise control after that. Hootie comes back. We get a line out of center. We give up another home run. Nobody even batted an eye about that. 
I'm ahead of myself here. I apologize for that. We give up the double. There we go. We give up a double and then a single, and then they score the run. And then rather than get upset about it, Houston Harding, who I think really built some toughness on the road at South Carolina, dug down. You get a K swinging and a K looking, and we get a ground out. So we're out of the inning. So we give up that one run, but it, did, it didn't even feel like a blip on the radar, right? We come right back and get the run back. Uh, Rowdy lines out, and then T.A. hits an absolute shell into right center, his 10th home run of the year, which gives Mississippi State five hitters with 10 or more home runs. Now, you may recall there has been uh, a lot of fun poked about this, about Yancey Porter's post about, uh, you know, we got a bunch of little guys or whatever. Uh, I looked up the numbers tonight. Uh, Ole Miss has three guys with double-digit home runs. We have five. We have five. They got a few more as a team, but our little guys are uh, hitting the ball out with a lot more authority. All right, so they get out of the inning there, and it's 8-2. And so it's like, yeah, we, we, didn't, we didn't even bat an eye about giving up a run. We get it right back. Hootie goes back out there. We walk a guy, and it was really a battle. You know, we just he just simply couldn't finish the guy. It wasn't like we went there and we just didn't have control. I think he was trying to get a guy to chase, but – you know, it starts out to one-one count. It's three-one. We get a foul. We get a foul. We get a foul, and then we try to get him a chase. He doesn't. Takes the ball down. But then we got praise from the strikeout swinging, and it was a great job throwing those changes. We get him a single, and it's first and second, and a really great job here by Tanner Allen hustling to get the ball in. I mean, how many times have you seen it when TA's running the bases, somebody's loafing out there, and I used to have a coach who told me. Hey, Steve, when they drop their left arm, they have no chance to get anything on the ball, throwing it back. I've always kind of remembered that. You know, the guy that crow hops and kind of brings his arm around, you know, and, 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 and in, involves his entire body in throwing the ball back, that guy you got to be, be mindful of. The guy that just kind of lollygags it out there and drops his left arm where it's all just the right arm throwing back, you can take the extra base, and T.A. does it all the time. And so he works hard here to get the ball back in, to hold the runner at second, to keep him from going to third. That proved to be beneficial to us because they get a fly out right after that. They could have tagged and scored. The guy does tag and go to third, and the next thing you know, the next line out is the end of the inning. So it's 8-2, mid-4. Logan Tanner comes in, doubles to right field. They had the uh, close play at second. Really give Notre Dame a lot of credit for a great relay there. Uh, but, T, but Logan gets in there. Then DeBrule grounds out to third on a sack bunt. We move the runner to third. And so this is – what I love about this is we just keep adding. You know, it'd be easy to say, hey, let's play for the big inning. No, no. When you've got the lead, just keep nursing it along. And so we move him to third with less than two outs. You figure, you know what, we just need a fly ball uh, out there, routine fly ball. But that's not what happens. Cumbus just rips a double that goes all the way to the wall left center. And then Kellum Clark backs him up with double to right center. Now it's a 10-2 ball game. 10-2. I mean, really, really, really good job by the bottom third of this order. Forsyth then grounds out, and uh, we move the run to the third, and then Rowdy can't get him around. But, again, the bottom third of the order is getting it done tonight. That's when you kind of know it's your night. I mean, we've had a couple of great defensive plays. You know, Rowdy had a diving catch. T.A. had a diving catch. Uh, we had a ball to bounce off the pitcher, go right to, uh, to Forsyth, who makes a great play. And I tweeted about that because those are things that were happening for Notre Dame on Sunday. It seemed like everything was going their way. You had that great diving catch behind the bag by the second baseman. 
well, it was Mississippi State making those plays on Monday. And that's why I kind of felt early on, maybe this is our day. You know, we're making, we're making these big catches. Uh, so we get to the top of five. It is a 10-2 ball game. We bring in Stone Simmons. I really thought Stone might have been an option for us to start. I mean, like if you wanted to use another opener, have Stone go through you know, maybe an inning or two to bring in Houston Harding. Stone didn't have it tonight. And uh, Stone has kind of been hit or miss for us. But, listen, I think he's got a bright future at Mississippi State. And I think he'll really factor in some things next year. Uh, really glad to have him as a part of our program. But he gives up back-to-back hits and then walks a guy, and they score a run. We get Cavada swinging. And, and, listen, I know we had the big fly later. We did a great job managing him all weekend. Really, really, really did not let him control the flow of the ball game. And then Putts doubles down the left field line, and he just kind of rips one by the bag at third, sends in the two runs, makes it 10-5. But rather than panic, we get a ground out and we get a strikeout swing, and we get out of it 10-5. And I think at this point it was starting to get a little bit close for comfort. But I think we felt like, you know, we're, we're going to be okay. Maybe if we can get find a way to get one more to get Sims up, we'll be in good shape. At least that's what I was thinking. We can get one more inning and we can bring in, you know, Sims in the seventh. But um, – it didn't quite work out that way. So, in the bottom of five, uh, they bring back John Michael Bertram. Nobody they had tried it out there before had been able to kind of slow things down. I thought Bertram did a pretty good job, actually. But, uh, you know, T.A. comes in and doubles. This is the one, again, where he just basically turns a single into the double because he is a guy that's just refusing to lose. Cam grounds out the second – or grounds out the third, excuse me, and T.A. heads up base running, takes third on the throw. Hancock then grounds out the first – they had the infield playing in, so we weren't able to score there. Uh, they walked Logan Tanner intentionally, and goodness, who can blame him, to get to Scotty DeBrule, and apparently he takes it personal and then rips a single back up the middle to chase the run home. Now it's 11-5. Now it's 11-5, and I think we're all thinking, okay, we're up six. We ought to be in good shape. Even if we trot Stone back out there, you know, with six runs to play with, maybe we should be okay. Maybe you bring in Parker Stinnett. Maybe you bring in Brandon Smith. Don't know. Instead, we bring in Landon Sims. Surprise. White Snake rings out. It's a one, two, three inning. But they're all action plays. No Ks. And I saw some of your comments on Twitter. It's like, oh, my gosh, what are we doing? I think he's just kind of pacing himself. Bottom of six, we go one, two, three. Bertrand did a good job slowing the game down for us. If not, the game could have really got away from him. He did a good job kind of keeping us – you know, from tacking on late to, you know, at least keep them in striking distance. Uh, top of seven, we walk Cole on four pitches. And then we get a foul out behind the plate, gives us a cheap out there. And then Cavadas on the 3-1 count hits a ball to, you know, out there to Chadwick Lake. And uh, kudos to that fan that ran it down and threw it back. <laughs> And then cut putts grounds out and Prasner flies out. And so now, it, you know, it's 11-7, but you're beginning to realize these guys are running out of outs. And I thought Landon really got stronger here in the eighth. We go one, two, three in the seventh. And again, Bertrand just kind of holding this, you know, this thing in, in pause for a while, giving him a chance to try to catch up. I give him a lot of credit for a guy, you know, basically coming back after throwing 65 pitches two days ago. Guy really went out and competed hard for his team. And, and a Furman guy. He and Stone Simmons were teammates. You know, so that's a pretty kind of a cool thing, too. Top of eight, uh, we get Brannigan to strike out swinging. They pinch hit. We get a strike out swinging. And then we get a strike out swinging. And so they're down to their final three outs. And I think everybody felt like this thing is okay. And, and, and you're probably thinking, hey, with Sims, 
going into the eighth, are we overextending him? Do we need to think about somebody for the ninth? Well, we didn't. And after that dominant eighth, how could you take him out? You know, it's a four-run ball game, but you're like, you know, listen, I know they're going to have top of the order up, but we got to ride with our guy. So, you know, we get here to the um, you know, bottom of eight. We go one, two, three again. And, and some of these at-bats really weren't competitive. I don't know if we were just feeling it and kind of ready to go or not, but um, just didn't think we were very competitive. I, I know Scotty hit a ball really well right at the shortstop. But um, we get to the ninth, and uh, we bring in some defensive replacements. I guess Cumbus went out for Skinner, and we brought in um, Hatcher a little bit earlier. But right out of the gate – you know, we, don't, we never make anything easy here at Mississippi State, and we don't. We don't ever let our fans relax. So we give up back-to-back singles, and I think everybody thought, oh, goodness, is he, is he, is he worn out? I mean, this is a guy that if we just pitched a couple innings on Saturday, and he's right back out here again now in his fourth inning of work. Is he tiring? I mean, yeah, and the fastball was down a couple ticks. Well, then we get a K swinging, and then Nick Cavadas comes up, and we get him to ground into a double play to end the ball game. And I think there's a little poetic justice in that too. I think there's a lesson learned in all of that. I mean, Nick Cavadas said things in the media that you just simply don't say. And I, I made a comment to somebody in the press box tonight. That's one of the things, and maybe it's maybe it goes all the way back to Paul Gregory. You know, because a lot of people have told me what a gentleman Paul Gregory was. You know, we didn't disparage opponents and that kind of stuff. We just didn't do it. You know, and then, you know, Ron Polk takes over, and, you know, Ron was always a guy who never get too high, never get too low. But you just haven't had Mississippi State baseball players shooting off at the mouth. Not in my lifetime. You know, maybe that was the case under Dirty Noble. I don't know, but I like to think not. You know, we've, I think we have always, for the most part, kind of approached this as a gentleman's game. And I couldn't believe some of the comments, and not just from some of the players. I mean, some of the, you know, the co- even Link Jarrett. I mean, it's like even tonight in postgame, I mean, basically, we're taking a shot at the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee. You know, here's the thing, and I've said it on the show before, you know, Notre Dame did not deserve a top eight national seed. I don't care. I don't care how many times you say it. It's not true. Oh, we deserve it. You, I mean, you can say it a million times. When you cancel your non-conference games to basically skew your conference schedule in your favor, because everybody else is out there having to use arms and exert themselves to go win a non-conference game, and you, and you go look at some of the teams in the ACC, you know, some of those teams are playing SEC teams in midweek. And so Notre Dame basically says, no, nah, we're not going to play midweek games. We're going to save all our arms for the weekend. And then we've won the ACC. So the ACC champ usually gets top eight, so you got to give us one too. No. And I commend the committee for not bowing to that nonsense and that pressure. It would set a better, very dangerous precedent for the future to say, you know what, hey, if that's the case, you know, if I'm Vanderbilt, you know, and I've got, you know, a bullpen out there of some, uh, you know, some kids are going to school free that really can really bring it, you know, why do I want to go play Memphis in the midweek? You know, why do I want to go play Louisiana Tech in the midweek? I'll just save all my arms and go win an SEC championship, and I think it sets a bad precedent. And so Notre Dame didn't deserve it. You can go back and look at the RPI to strength the schedule, everything you want to. There was not a measurable of the final four teams that favored Notre Dame. Zero. Mississippi State was easily, of those four, the most qualified to be a top eight, which is why we're seven. 
Now, if you want to argue that maybe Texas Tech didn't deserve it over Stanford, I can probably get down with that. And with the gift of hindsight, Stanford has kind of proven that because they went to Lubbock and beat them. But of the four teams that were in contention, Notre Dame had the weakest resume of the four. And a lot of that is because they didn't play non-conference opponents. And their RPI is kind of inflated because of the fact, I mean, you know, how many times do we go play an RPI team that's 150, right? And so that brings you down a spot or two. So if I can just save all my big arms for ACC competition, which are going to be higher RPI games, your resume is going to be, you know, a little bit flimsy. It just doesn't have the total package. And so they, they continued to kind of whine about that, even in the post game. Oh, we should have played this game at home. There was no chance of Mississippi State going to Notre Dame as a pairing for a Super Regional. Now, if you want to say, you know what, maybe we deserve to get in there over Texas Tech, that's probably a better argument, but it's still the wrong argument. Notre Dame did it to themselves. And so, yeah, you had to come down here and play in front of the most passionate fan base, his words, not mine, even though I agree with them. You had to get on the plane and come down here and play against a team that has the most raucous environment in, in all of college baseball. 40,000, get a record, you get to be a part of history. But you did it to yourself. And there's so much of that, too. And, and I, I laugh at the Notre Dame media. Nobody wanted to talk about the game. It was amazing. I mean, you just played the biggest game in Notre Dame baseball since 2002. Right? Last time they went to Omaha and Maneri. So in nearly 20 years, you haven't had a really meaningful game like this. You're one win away from Omaha, and we want to talk about next year. We want to talk about how special the year was. You know, maybe you guys do that when you get back to campus. There was a great ball game that was just played, and, yeah, you lost it, but um, can we get some quotes about the game? You know, Coach, when do you think the game turned? Why do you think Houston Harding was so effective? What did you think about Lannon Sims getting a four-inning save against, against a victory, actually? And so I was a little irritated by that, and maybe I shouldn't be. Uh, because that thing drug on and on and on and on and on. But the bottom line is Mississippi State was a better team. And I know, again, there's some self-loathing Mississippi State fans. Like, oh, you know, we don't deserve it. You know, it's like, I guess it's one of those things, too, it kind of hinges on the whole disappointment. We know we, we expected any turn to be disappointed, so we want to make it look like that we were prepared for it. And listen, that Notre Dame lineup had more length than us yesterday. It didn't today because of the fact you got contributions from Brad Compass and Kellum Clark, Lane Forsythe. When that happens, we're going to be difficult to beat no matter who we play. And so let's accept it for what it is. You know, I, I think that they're still going to let us go play in Hoover even though we went 0-2. In, I mean, they'll let us go play in Omaha even though we went 0-2 in Hoover. I don't think there's going to be some committee somewhere that says, wait a minute now. You're letting Mississippi State come to Omaha? They got 10-run ruled in Hoover. Nobody cares about that anymore. And you know what? Nobody cares about that sweep in Arkansas. Nobody cares about that Sunday loss to Missouri either. None of that means anything anymore because your team made it insignificant. Because the big picture is going and playing for a national championship. That's our goal. Our goal is not just to get to Omaha. Our goal is to go win the whole thing. A little bit later in the show, we're going to talk about the path 
to get to the national championship final. Time for a top 10 list. Even though it's a bonus show, I'm going to give you a top 10 list. I'm going to save boys to men for tomorrow, though, because I want to do some research on that. I want to go back and when – I, when I get a band like that that I really like, I kind of spend the day kind of going back through the catalog, and there's always a song, oh, yeah, I remember that one. It was so great. So I wanted to do top 10 today, uh, songs of the season. How about that? Songs of baseball season. Like when I hear these songs, they remind me of being at Duty Noble Field this year. This list brought to you by the fine folks at johnnypacker.com. And updates, you know, they've got those blue light glasses now. If you're like me, you sit behind a computer all the time, you know you probably need those. You can find those on the johnnypacker.com website. There's great frames on there, a lot of cool ones on there. If, uh, if you're looking for sunglasses, and you should be because it's really sunny out these days, there were a lot of people at Dirty Noble Field that wished they had sunglasses this past weekend. So send them to johnnypacker.com. And a portion of each purchase goes directly to the Cystic Vibrosis Foundation. You guys know I'm very, very, very supportive of that cause. John himself has struggled with CF his entire life and is having a normal life now. Has some lung function that is manageable and is able to live life. And so he's trying to give back to help other people have an even higher quality of life and by doing it by selling these sunglasses. And so, again, it's johnnypacker.com. Use promo code BONEYARD to save 10%. And if you pull up some frames and they say sold out, don't panic. Send them an email. They'll get them for you anyway. Because you guys are buying so many sunglasses, sometimes it's difficult to kind of keep the quantities updated. But don't panic. Just send them the email. They'll get you taken care of. Again, it's johnnypacker.com. So top 10 list, songs of the season. No honorable mentions. I just wanted to jump into this because um, some of these songs are important to me for other reasons. Some of them you know, are walkouts and there are songs that are, you know, there's some nostalgia, whatever. Um, you know, we've got so many people that uh, are so incredibly jealous of Mississippi State and they want to tear us down at every turn. It's like they're not nearly as good as us. And, you know, you know I, I know these Ole Miss people want to compare themselves to us. And I get it. Ole Miss is not good at sports. And so they look down the road here and they say, man, look at those guys. Look at those little guys down there in Starkville. You know, we've got these beer league softball players up here that could probably beat them up you know, in, a, in a wrestling match or something. You know, so why are they beating us 16 out of 19 times? Why are they going to Omaha? You know, we've been one time in 50 years. I mean, those guys are going for what the, you know, the fourth time in less than a decade. What, what's going on? And so this one's for them. It is the classic song from Ugly Kid Joe. And this goes right back to you guys uh, and on the Ole Miss side that don't understand your place in the baseball pecking order. We're the daddies here, okay? And so the song is I Hate Everything About You. You. Number nine, this is one that they play at Duty Noble. I never heard the song. And uh, they play it in pregame. And I, I, I disagree with it, even though it's a great song. It's uh, Beer Never Broke My Heart. Well, Beer Broke My Heart, but it's still a really cool song. And I like the part where he says diamond rings and football teams have torn this boy apart. We've all been there, right? That's from uh, Luke Holmes. Number eight on the list, another country song that they played during pregame. Didn't know it, heard it, heard it so many times. Like, this song's pretty cool. It's a song called Crash and Burn by Thomas Rhett. I don't know much about Thomas Rhett. Apparently, he's got a lot of hits because his list on Apple Music of the Essentials is pretty lengthy. But that's a pretty cool track. 
Number seven, and I'm so glad we did this. I, we're not going to go with the remix. You can find the remix on YouTube. Uh, Drew Walker sent it to me. But uh, it's Black Dog by Led Zeppelin. You know, that was kind of our, our entrance song this year. That, that great little remix there. I think it's absolutely outstanding. But Black Dog from Led Zeppelin, which has the greatest opening line in the history of music. Hey, hey, mama, said the way you move, going to make you sweat, going to make you groove. All right, number six. Many of you would have this higher on your list because of your love for Landon Sims. And I love Landon Sims, not just because he is a dominant closer, but because he clearly has great taste in music. But it's still the night by Whitesnake. I joked with him the other night, he made that the most popular song in Mississippi again. So thank you, Landon. Number five, the song that kind of got me into Hardy, and I love it, man. I listen to Hardy all day today on the way to the ball game. I changed it a little bit, but uh, I listen to unapologetically country and rednecker, all that stuff today. But it's the song No Place Like Hometown that is Luke Hancock's walkout song. I had never heard Hardy that I know of until this year, and uh, I absolutely love Hardy. I, I do, and the fact that he's a Bulldog fan makes me love him that much more, and he's a guy from Mississippi. And so I can't help but like it. I love his music. I think his writing is incredible, and I uh, hope to meet Hardy someday. Number four, th- I had to kind of grow to this one, but I'll tell you one of the reasons I like this one is because Tyler Horka and Brian Haddad had a little bit of a routine to this. Now, not a dance routine because neither one of those guys can dance. Uh, not that you'd want to see it anyway. But there's like a little thing they did, and it's Nightcrawler by Travis Scott. That's Rowdy Jordan's walk-up. And I need to ask Rowdy. He's had the same walk-up all four years. I got to know the story behind this. Number three, and I was so glad we got to hear it a couple times tonight because the NCAA is not supposed to do walk-ups, you know. But we had Small Town USA from Justin Moore. That's T.A.'s walk-out. And it's exciting, man, because like – you know, it's like Jake Mangum's walkout was kind of our thing for a couple of years, right? And I think that's kind of been this year, you know, Tanner Allen, SEC player of the year. You know, he's our guy. He and Rowdy are our guys. But I think, you know, that's one that small town USA kind of typifies who we are. And I think there's so many of us that kind of identify with that with, with TA. So that's number three. Number two, and I'm sure Roy will have to find a cover of it, but it's Friends in Low Places. And I have so enjoyed doing that thing with you guys on Twitter it just kind of started on a whim. You know, I've always – I've done the, the thing, the Friends in Low Places thing for a few years now, and uh, people now message me and say, Steve, hey, could you include our city <laughs> this week when the next time that you do the Friends in Low Places thing? And I'm, like, happy to do it. And and uh, I guess uh, Tipperville, you know, I put that in there, and then I met some people from Tipperville, and they're like, hey, thanks for doing that. And then every time I do it, there's always somebody that says, I don't know right where that is. Yeah, it's so great. So, again, a lot of it, too, is just me having some pride in our home. I, I love being from Mississippi. I love being from small-town Mississippi. Uh, there's a lot of values in our state that, uh, you know, that I hold with you guys, I share. And, and so, you know, I think being from small-town is, uh, is a big part of that. So, Friends in Low Places, that's a Garth Brooks track. Garth's not on iTunes, so I don't know what Roy will come up with. But uh, – but number one, man, and this is something that I actually fussed about not, you know, a few months back, that we didn't have this song on the pregame or you know playlist. But we played it tonight after the game was over, and it's Omaha by the Counting Crows. And I'll probably listen to that song a hundred times between now and Sunday. I can't wait to go. I mean, I would leave tomorrow if I could. I got stuff I got to do right here first. But um, 
man, I can't wait to go. I absolutely cannot wait to get to Omaha. You know, and maybe it means a little more this year because of what we lost last year. We didn't get the College World Series, and there was so much craziness that went on with all that stuff. And we had a really good team last year. Chances are if they'd held it, held it last year, we'd have gone again. I don't know if we'd get T.A. and Rowdy back in a regular year, but the bottom line is, you know, we're going for the third straight time for the first time in program history. Clark and Palmero didn't do that. Jake and Rooker didn't do that. But T.A. and Rowdy have. And I think that's their legacy, and they're not done writing it yet. So that's a top ten list. If you have not a different top ten list, reach out let me know. And a reminder, we'll do boys to men. And I don't know what all we're going to talk about, but we'll do boys to men, probably do some recruiting stuff, but uh, we'll do boys to men tomorrow night. All right, next segment of the show, we're going to talk about the bracket brought to you by Campus Bookmart. I, listen, I've got a couple of those shirts now. I got the maroon Superdog shirt for myself. I got the gray one for another family member, and I got one of the regional shirts for a family member. Those shirts, they're going to have Omaha shirts too. You might as well get ready for that. I can promise you Kathy Brown has already had you know things that have gone through license, and they're ready to go. They will have those things right away. So if you're going to be looking for Omaha shirts, you can find them at campusbookmart.net. I would encourage you if you're in the area to just go by and pick them up because those are going to go very quickly. But as soon as that, that thing hits the website and you need to be following them on social media, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. They'll have those College World Series shirts ready to go. So go check it out. Get the Superdog shirts. Get the regional shirts. Get the whole shoot match, right? It's a special year. We're going to Omaha. But go to campusbookmart.net and use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders, over 50 bucks in the order, less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Again, it's campusbookmart.net. But if you're in town, go by and uh, see the lovely, talented Susie and tell her that I sent you. Stan and man will be there, too, and Miss Kathy. All right, so let's look at the bracket now. So the eight for Omaha are finally set. And we're one of those eight. How cool is that, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're one of the eight. We deserve to be. That's why you come to Mississippi State to go to Omaha, right? Okay, so bracket one, that is not us. That's Vanderbilt, Arizona, Stanford, NC State. So that bracket is going to open play on Saturday, June the 19th. Let me check my calendar to make sure that's correct because uh, I get busy, man. Sometimes I forget what day it is. But, yes, that is Saturday, June 19th. I believe these are all listed as Eastern time. Let me double-check that to be sure because you guys get all upset with me when it's not right. But um, So that looks to be the case. So the first game of the weekend, and I'm going to do my best to be there on Saturday. I'm probably going to leave on Friday. Supposed to have a book signing. It's supposed to be Thursday, and then they're talking about doing it on Friday. And so probably not going to make that happen. Uh, but we'll, we'll make the date up. So, but the first ball game is going to be Stanford and NC State. That's your first game on Saturday. The second game is Arizona versus Vanderbilt. That's will be your nightcap. And then those the they will turn around on two days later, rather than the next day. And that's the thing too about this schedule. It's a little bit different. I don't think people fully appreciate is. You've got time. You can bring your number one guy back because of the way the bracket's set up. There, you, know, you get some rest in this thing. You know, it's not like a regular four-game regional. So, 
they're going to be back two days later to play those game twos. Now, what does that mean kind of moving forward? I don't know. You don't know what that means for us. I know that, that um, this stupid bracket keeps closing when I open it. I've opened it like three times. So the 21st, the loser's bracket game will be the afternoon game, and then a winner's bracket game will be at night. And so then it kind of moves from there. And so that's all going to go all the way into uh, June 28th or 29th. So it's going to be – that's the, the finals there. So it's, it's a long trip. We're talking a couple of weeks here. And we'll have plenty of time to talk about that. Now, our side of the bracket – and I think it's uh, it's pretty cool too. It's a pretty manageable bracket. But you know, I, I laugh about this bracket one. And you look at the top eight national seeds, and uh, you know, two of the four on that side of the bracket make it. Of course, Texas Tech and Arkansas eliminated. Vanderbilt and Arizona do make it, and then Stanford and NC State make it. Pretty cool, right? I look at that over there, and I think you know some of these teams are kind of. Uh, <laughs> dependent on the long ball that's not going to happen much in omaha there'll be a couple guys that can hit tanks up there but it's not going to be you know something you look at and say oh well this is a big part of the ball game so again game one on saturday stanford will play nc state and then arizona vanderbilt on sunday which is the cool day that's when the cool kids play and i i, I like our bracket but i'll tell you there's some good teams over here some really good teams over here to say the least this stupid bracket just didn't work it for me. I don't, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I guess I'm gonna have to just go to a, a different bracket. But um, you know, sometimes technology's not good. Sometimes we get too cute, right? Sometimes we get too cute. Okay, so uh, Mississippi State will play Texas, and we are the night game. And then Virginia will play Tennessee. They are the early game. And then again, two days later, we'll come back and play again. Hopefully, we're in the winner's bracket. I like the matchup with Texas, and we get into Friday's show, which I'll record uh, probably Thursday night and uh, get on the road on Friday so I can enjoy those games on Saturday. So we'll break down Texas again. You know, we played them earlier in the year, but you know, we're a different team. They're a different team since then. Excited to see those guys again. Do they throw Tom Madden against us again? Uh, probably. You know, or maybe they, they save him for game two. You know, don't forget either. You know, Will Bednar didn't throw that weekend. You know, McLeod threw against Texas. So maybe we threw Bednar against Texas this go around. We'll see. But I kind of like the fact, you know, Bednar, you know, threw, what, Saturday? Then he's not going to throw again until Sunday. You know, so you begin to look at that. He's got a full week's rest. You know, so you ought to be good to go. And he didn't really work deep into the ball game, you know, even though there were some high-stress innings there. But uh, I think we're going to be in good shape there. So, uh, again, looking at the top eight national seeds on our side of the bracket, you know, TCU eliminated, uh, Texas Tech eliminated. So, just, you know, kind of a crazy thing when you begin to kind of break this thing down. But, um, you know, excited nonetheless. And uh, I'll share with you guys, too. I always joke I probably should write about this stuff, but um, I write about everything. I told you guys I've kept that that Omaha credential. Like, I keep them all. I got all these lanyards, I keep them. But there are a few that stay in my car. Yeah, I got my 247 Sports because, you know, when I go to high school games, you know, people recognize the, you know, the, num- the name and everything, and so it's easy for me to get in and out without any issue because not everybody knows me. 
And then I've got one from Rocklahoma that always reminds me that uh, I had a really cool weekend out there. It reminds me I need to do some things for myself every once in a while because I'm a bit of a workaholic. But I've also got my Omaha credential in there. And there were times I thought about I'm going to take it out. But um, I said, you know what, I'm going to take it out when I can replace it. So I'll finally get to take that thing out of, uh, out of the car, and it'll be retired with the rest of the lanyards that hang up here on this hook. But if you have not been to Omaha, let me encourage you, do what you can to get there. And listen, I know it's like, ah, oh, man, it's, it's so expensive, and it's summertime, we've got this going on. Man, you owe it to yourself, even if it's just for a game. You know, I was talking to some, you know, some folks tonight, and I said, you know what, I don't, if we make the championship series, I'm definitely going. Well, let me tell you this, you better go ahead and plan ahead. There's a bunch of Mississippi State people that have the same thought in mind. I think we have a real good chance to win our bracket. But, again, it's all going to boil down to matchups. I think Tennessee could be scary, too. But I also think, you know, Tennessee in the big ballpark with the wind blowing in a little bit, the way that we can defend in the outfield, maybe we got a shot. I'm excited about it, for sure. So, let's, uh, let me share a couple of things with you before we get out of here. You know, again, it's ended up being a much longer show than I anticipated. But, uh, you know, it's a fun night, right? You're getting a free show. My advertisers are getting a free read, right? So this last segment of the show brought to you by Portico. That's uh, Brooks Bryan's group. You know, listen, many of you have thought about moving to Starkville. And you're like, Steve, where do I live? Do I do this? Do I do that? Listen, Portico is the easy way to go. Right off of 82, you turn on 12, and then you take the first right there. That's how easy it is, how convenient it is. You make that right there on Pat Station Road. You pass over Old West Point Road, and then there's Portico. It is a great place, great construction, great neighborhood. It's the newest neighborhood in Stark Vegas. And it's so conveniently located at campus. You're, you're just over a mile away. You can get a two-bedroom, two-bath house. You can get a four-bedroom, four-bath house. Got that great walking trail. Got so many other cool things out there. And it's just amazing to think about all the great things you can do being in Starkville. I love living here, and uh, I'm here for the duration. But, uh, you know, if I was just moving here, I would absolutely go check these guys out. I have ridden out there myself just to kind of see what we're looking at. It's great. So give Brooks Bryan a call at 601-416-8075, 601-416-8075, and uh, he can get you lined out. Get your information. And you know what, if you're already dealing with a real estate agent, have them call. I'd encourage you to call because uh, Brooks is fun to talk to, right? And we all need those characters in our life. And Brooks looks like he could still play. I mean, he does. And I know he probably thinks I'm just being nice, but, you know, God takes care of himself. Brooks is my friend. And so check those guys out at Portico. You'll be glad you did. Make Portico your next move. All right, a few more things I want to say before we get out of here. I'm not going to mention any names, okay, because I think it's important that you guys understand this. But, uh, you know, it's easy to look back in hindsight and say, you know, man, I knew it all along. But, but we didn't. We hoped it would be the case. But, uh, you know, we had a player. I'm not going to mention the name. But, you know, we, while many of you – I guess that's not true, not me. Well, while some of you, you know, were ripping this guy on uh, on social media, you know, that next morning he was taking uh, IV fluids to go out there and play a baseball game for you. Lost about 10, 15 pounds. You know, that had a virus, struggled a little bit, and, um, you know, you don't know. You don't know what the kid's going through. 
They're like, hey, what is, you know, he's not seeing the baseball well. He's not doing that, not doing that, not doing this. And, you know, he could have easily just said, you know what, I need to go home. I need to stay home. I don't need to play. But he went out there and did what he had to do because he cared about the M over S. He cared about all of you. He knew you were counting on him. So we're in the middle of the SEC race. And he goes, you know, I, I give us the best chance to win. I got to be healthy. And that's the thing. And when you got so much talent on a team like we do, I mean, you, know, you take a, a game or two off or whatever, you know, you can get Wally Pip in the deal. If you don't know the story, go look that up, Wally Pip and Stan Musial. You'll see. <laughs> or was it Stan Musial? Was it? Pardon me, it was Lou Gehrig. <laughs> the streak, right? Wally Pip takes a day off and Lou Gehrig stays in the lineup for, you know, forever and a day. So, you know, my point being is that, you know, there's a lot of competition for these spots, and these guys want to get there and play. But, you know, you got a guy that's less than 100%, when he's, you know, out there taking IV fluids trying to get you going again. You know, we had all this other stuff too. You know, we had, you know, we had some players, leave the team. It had been easy to let that thing go south, but your coaches didn't let that happen. They focused on the guys they had. And listen, you know, I had a, had a – recently had lunch with one of your baseball dads and you know, had another guy that was really sick this year and everybody thinks oh well you know Lamonis is showing favoritism not playing this guy guys he couldn't play but you don't know that and a lot of that stuff's not really for public consumption I, I tell you that to tell you this is you know sometimes things happen and we just need to accept it we don't always have to know the reason why I mean, there's so much of that these days, and, and there's so and we all struggle with that in many respects about really knowing what's our business and what's not. You know, we got a kid out there that's struggling a little bit. It could be a reason. You can say, well, you know, set him let somebody else play. You know, well, sometimes a guy at 70% is better than somebody else at 100%. You know, the quality of play is not always the same. But, again, these young men are so incredibly committed to each other and to you and to this baseball program and to this university, they want to go out there and give their best effort. And their best efforts have now taken them to Omaha. You know, the thing that I'm curious about is what's going to happen, you know, when these young guys get there and you walk out there and you see TD Ameritrade for the first time. You know, Cam James might have a little bit of an advantage because, uh, you know, we saw Keegan pitch out there, right? I mean, he's been at least been in the venue before. You know, T.A. and Rowdy have been there and played in that venue before, you know. But there's some other guys that, uh, you know, that saw the SEC play for the first time. They're going to be – they're going to see uh, – they're going to see Ameritrade for the first time. Landon Sims told us in postgame, but his parents were like, hey, do you want to go to Omaha? He's like, no, nah, let's just save the money because I think we're going to go a couple times while I'm in Mississippi State. That's the expectation here. You know, and I asked Chris Simonis about that. You know, it's like, you know – this is a bear. This is a different deal here. And, and there are a lot of people that I don't think are capable of running this program. I don't think they can handle the demands. And that's why I think Chris Amonis is a great fit for us. I think Chris understands what we expect. He embraces those expectations. He goes, you know what? He's told me before, you know, it's only a matter of time before Mississippi State wins a national championship. That's the kind of coach I want. I don't want this coach that says, you know, well, maybe one day we'll win one. And he's like, no, it's just a matter of time. Just a matter of time before we win one. 
You remember back in 19, Jake Mangum sat there and said, told Coach, you're the one that's going to win it. And then you're going to win multiple NFL championships. And so, again, I don't know if this is the year or not. I certainly hope it is. I hope it's the year. Don't know it. That's all left to be, you know, to be seen, I guess. But I like our bracket. I like our team. I begin to look at this bracket, too, and I kind of think to myself, I mean, you know, there's not a lot of people in this bracket that have a lot of experience with this sort of thing. Obviously, Stanford didn't get to go last time. Tennessee didn't get to go. It's really just us and Vanderbilt, you know, that had the opportunity to go last time. And so we know what it takes to win. So how much does that matter? Yeah, we'll see. I'd rather be the team that's been there than the team that's going for the first time. I'd rather be the team that's got a couple guys on my team that can pull guys aside and say, hey, we don't need to do that. There's a bigger thing here. Go, 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 go get your stuff for your Instagram you know, on the free day, but it's time to go to work. And it's funny, too, you know, we talk about people that uh, you know, come play at our place, and it's like, oh, you're in front of, you know, 13, 14, 15,000 people. You know, what's it like going out there to Omaha playing in front of twice that many? 35, 40,000 people. Because that's what it's going to be. It's going to be packed out. So even for our guys, it's going to be a new experience in many respects. And not everybody's going to be cheering for you. But it's going to be more of a neutral site, so it's not like coming in here and you got everybody on your case. But I'm proud of this team. I'm proud of this coaching staff. And I'm proud of the things that we're a part of. And so, yeah, when people say, you know what, we deserve it. We do. We do deserve it. Nobody's given us anything. Nobody. We've earned every bit of it. And these last few minutes, I want to share with you, too. You know, it's like um, I get a little nostalgic when we go. And uh, I think I shared with you guys before about Dave Murray. You know, Dave and I were there last time, and Dave kneels down and gets a Gatorade cup full of red dirt from Mississippi State dugout. He looked at me, and chin quivered a little bit, and he goes, you know, Steve, you never know when it's your last time. And I'll share with you guys, too. Uh, I was so confident about um, – about us winning a ball game on Monday, I requested mine and Dave's credentials before I left the house. I went ahead and did it. I also reached out to uh, our folks at 247 and said, hey, listen, I know you normally do these recruiting graphics, but I need something special. And I said, you know, this if we make it this year, it's going to be our 12th time. So give me a graphic that says dog dozen. And uh, has M over S on it. And then I give them all the years of the years we've gone to Omaha because not only did I want to celebrate this year, I wanted to celebrate every year we've gone. Yeah, I'm a bit of a baseball historian here, Mississippi State you know, baseball historian, and I'm so proud of those teams too. I'm proud of this legacy that we have, this tradition that we've built. We've gone to Omaha a dozen times. I'll always be proud of that. We're going to be awfully proud when we win it the first time and the second time and the third time and the fourth time. <clears throat> I am. But I got those things done because I don't believe in jinxes, but also believe in our team. And I felt really confident we would find a way to win a ball game, and we did. And I'm pretty confident we're going to go down there to uh, Omaha and have a good showing. 
I honestly feel like that, uh, you know, probably the bracket's going to be more difficult than the finals if we can happen to get there. I, I like us more in the best two out of three than I do in that 14 bracket because we're getting the losers bracket. You know, it could be awfully interesting pitching-wise. But I think the fact that Houston Harding has really stepped up and solidified himself, now he's the third guy. I think you throw him at Omaha. And I meant to ask him in postgame, and I forgot, but in pregame, after he took his final warm-up toss, he went to every infielder, and he pointed at him and he said something. He went to every guy in the infield. And that's some real leadership. And that's a guy as a senior, but it's also a guy, too, that's working for a job for you. He didn't get the win, but we don't win without him. Phenomenal job by Houston Harding, a guy that's dreamed of this moment forever and a day. And so this is a guy, too, you know, much of the year, you know, was working in midweek and he was doing some middle relief and then. Here he is starting the game that sends us to Omaha. And it was such so crazy, too. We're all on Twitter, and everybody's like, who are we starting, who are we starting, who are we starting, who are we starting? You know, of course, we don't want to tip our hands and tip off Notre Dame. But, you know, I think we all had a pretty good idea who it was going to be, at least today. I think, I think last night there was a lot of speculation. But um, you know, Landon Sims texted Chris Lamontis last night and said, Coach, I'll do whatever – how you use me however you want to. Guys, Landon wanted the baseball. Landon was willing to start because that's what he felt like he needed to do for Mississippi State. Turns out we didn't need him to start. We needed him to finish. And I would have been stretting, uh, stressing too, thinking about who's going to close this thing out if we had to pull him. But here we are, celebrating another trip to Omaha. I can't wait to go. And I can't wait to have that experience again and come on back and and uh, see some more decals on the on the outfield wall at Duty Noble, but I'm ready for that one. The one that says national champions. Had a chance to visit with Jonathan, Jonathan Papabon out there and, and, and lounge today, and it's like, you know, th- there is something here that is so much bigger than an individual or a team or a season. You know, we're all part of this unique family. You know, we gather together and, five-digit numbers and have a bit of a family reunion. We gather around and we have sausage and, you know, know, I've probably been offered a case of beers here in the last uh, couple days. And it's, you know, guys, I'm sorry I'm retired, but thank you very much. It's just different here. It's just different. The expectations are different. And I'm, I'm so hopeful that maybe this is our year. All I know is, we got to get ready to go beat Texas. One final thing before I go. Thank you guys so much, all of you that have bought Blooms of Oleander. It's, uh, it's very, 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 very rewarding. Uh, you guys have been so gracious to me and reached out and said, you read this and you like that. And I think uh, I've got 27 poems in there, and I think I've had probably at least 50 messages that named uh, at least one of the – I think all of them at some point have been named by somebody as a favorite. So thank you for that. And uh, there's also some inspirational stuff that I do from the randoms. Uh, it was lessons learned in 30 years of recovery. And it's a great short story, I'm, if I do say so myself. Uh, you know, just kind of about life. Me, my dad, my son. And uh, just some lessons learned from all that. And so I'm real proud of it. Go check it out. Blooms of Oleander. You can get it at Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, Books a Million, and also Lemuria Books. And uh, Book Martin Cafe downtown has signed copies. Uh, she sold just about everything. 
And the good news is, is she ordered last week, and so she's replenishing the stock right now. So if you're in town, you can go by and check them out. And if you're not in town, you can call her and say, hey, I really want Steve to sign this book to my friend or to my wife, and I'm happy to do that. But the only place you can do that right now is either at a book signing, which I don't have any scheduled right now because I'm about to cancel the one this week, and then... Uh, I had one at Bookmark Cafe, but you know, if you want to sign personalized copy, you need to contact Bookmark Cafe, and they will get you taken care of. All right, let me get out of here. I didn't plan on rambling this long, but uh, I figured if we're going to do a show, let's do it right. And when we've got a team going to Omaha, we certainly are. Uh, they're certainly deserving of the extra effort. I'm going to go get some rest. I feel like I haven't slept in about a week, and so uh, if I'm not on the message boards or on Twitter early in the morning, don't freak out and think that uh, I've flown the coop. I'm just trying to get a little rest. So. Listen, we'll see you guys soon. And again, thanks so much for your support of the Boneyard. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.